We're close on finishing the series in the book of Philippians. And so we're in chapter 4. And uh, thanks so much to Lucy for preaching a few weeks ago. And then it was Easter last Sunday, and we went off of the subject matter of the book of Philippians. And so I think there may be two or three Sundays left in the book of Philippians. Have you gotten to know Paul a little bit better? I hope. Um, but more than that, I hope you've come to know Jesus a lot better through the series. And remember, the key theme of our series is to bring God glory and to bring Him praise. And that's what we see on every page, as it were, within the book of Philippians, is that Paul wanted to live his life in such a way that his life would speak about God's glory and that his life would bring praise to him. And um, I see Matthew there. Matthew had a massive operation over the last week on his heart, and he also had a stroke the week before that. And uh, some of us have seen him, and it's really great to have him back in the service. Can we welcome Matthew back? Because these things are very, very important things within our lives. We're trusting God for Marily, who's in the hospital. It's been a really, really tough week for her, for Abram, and Abram is here, and um, with family, and um, we're fighting together, and we're standing together, Abram. And uh, Ratakrishnan uh, is in the hospital as well, and um, we need to pray that the doctors find out what's going on inside of him. This is our family, and... Um, Ken's been visiting him, and I spoke to him over the phone last night, and Ken is right. You know, we phoned to encourage him, and when you finished on the phone, he's encouraged you. Man has an incredible faith the size of the world. Amazing couple. So let's really see just how uh, we can assist these families and others that I may not have mentioned now. Um, let's be there for them, because that brings... Praise to Jesus. And that's how his glory is shown when we live our lives in a very practical way in this manner. And so this morning I'd like us to turn to Philippians chapter 4. I almost said Ephesians. Can you believe it? Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 10. At home, can you make sure that you've found your Bibles? I hope that you didn't have to blow the dust off of the cover there, because I know that you use your Bibles often. It's, uh, can you get it quickly at home? And can you open up to Philippians? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is after Ephesians. If you have the passage, let's read together. Remember, all preachers give time for people to turn to the scriptures because the Bible is important. We want people to read it with us. So, Philippians chapter 4. From verse 10, and this is what the scripture says. 
I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. And this is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Let's just pause here. That's exactly what I was saying to us as a church. That here Paul rejoices greatly in the Lord. Why in the Lord? Because as they showed concern to Paul, Jesus' name was praised. Jesus' glory was seen through a practical act like showing concern. Amazing how practical and wonderful our faith is. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned, and we're going to speak about the word learn today. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And we're going to talk about the word know. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then verse 13 is our key verse for today. Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, some of us oldies would remember the verse as saying this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you recognize that? Lucy, you're an oldie with me. You recognize that rendition better than the other one? Yeah. I was in Portugal with my mother this past week and with our family there. And my mother has a form of Alzheimer's. And we would talk and then she recognizes me and then she doesn't. And then we would talk about stuff and we just have a lot of fun. And my family just look after her so well. And so she said, Piet, where are you this Sunday? So I said, Mom, I'm back in Switzerland. Oh, no, I'm going to cry my heart out. I says, Mom, you can cry, but only a little bit. I'll be back. And so she said, do I have to watch you on TV? So I said, you're going to have to watch me on TV. So she said, what are you going to speak on? I said, Mom, you know that verse. She says, which one is it? I said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She says, It's not strengthens me, it strengtheneth me. So she remembers the King James Version, so she corrected me. And and, and this is such a marvelous and such a wonderful verse that, you know, this was key for Paul when we look at just his history. When we look at um, him being in prison in that Philippian jail, when we look at him being chained to a prison guard, a different one every single day, when we see that the people around him had to feed him, they didn't feed him from the prison, when we see that he's been in that prison now for a few years, and we see that he was around, he was in his mid-50s, he was still very young, like Lucy and I. And we see that he was struggling to get the gospel out. He knew that if the gospel could go, out that in Rome people would meet up with Jesus because all roads lead to Rome. 
And so he speaks to them and he writes this letter and he says to these guys, hey guys, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. And so when I quote this verse this morning, I'm gonna quote it for my mother's sake. No, for mine. I remember it much more in the old translations here, but he says I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And then he goes on and he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, which I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving tithes and offerings, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So he knew that as people give, that it's credited to their account in heaven one day. So it is a biblical teaching that as we give, it is credited in heaven. And Paul is very strong on that here within the scripture. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Aphroditus the gifts you send. We've gotten to know Aphrodite as well. Remember, he was a co-worker with Paul, Paul said. He says, but not only is he a co-worker, he was a fellow soldier. And so he speaks again about Epaphroditus here, the one that he just so, so loved. He says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. These gifts that you sent me, he said, and my God, now, this is the next very well-known scripture. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those, listen to this, who belong to Caesar's household. Who were they? They were the people who were touched by the gospel while Paul was in chains. Isn't that cool? He says, these people that was sent to do me harm, they encountered Jesus, now they're doing me good. And he says, these are the people that sent you greetings. <laughs> then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I want in this passage of scripture for you to understand something about what Paul was saying to the Philippian believers here. You see, they were going through struggles. They hadn't seen Paul for a while. Um, they were not the wealthiest church about but they were the, one of the most generous churches about. And so he speaks to them to encourage them. And he looks at them. And so when he quotes 
verse 13 when he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And when he goes further down and he says um, that my God will meet all your needs according to the riches or his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, he is saying to the church, out of my experience, I want to tell you that what's going on in my life and what's going on in your life, it's big. But it's not bigger than God. My friends, there's big things happening within your life at the moment. But Paul, out of this passage of Scripture, says that this big thing that is happening within your life, it is not bigger than God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I would like you to hang your faith on this statement today. It's big, absolutely. It's big, yes, it's really big. But it's not bigger than God. Why wasn't this bigger than God when Paul speaks? Remember the context that he was in. You know, Paul speaks from when we look at chapter 1. He highlights the cause of the gospel in chapter 1. And he says this gospel is a very precious gospel. He says that what has happened to me, he says that it will serve to advance the gospel. And so for him to see the gospel spread out into Europe into Asia. Remember, this all happened within the area of modern-day Greece. He says that it is a big task for us to take the gospel and to take it out there. He says it's big, but it is not bigger than God. I spoke to a pastor in Portugal. As a matter of fact, this young couple who's sitting in front of us, um, Cora was a part of our church in in, in South Africa at Cogs, and our sons grew up with Cora and her sister, and her father's my probably my best friend in, in South Africa, Gerard. I was telling the story, reminding Ken, that when we left Cogs and we came here, her father was very, very upset that I was coming over here. And um, he flew here the first year to come to this church to come and see if it's okay for me to come. It's the love of this family. And, 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 and you know, I, I was just saying to to the pastor that they served with in the church that they were a part of in South Africa before they came in. He's leading a church. They started a church in Portugal in Lisbon. And him and I sat down on Thursday and we were discussing just the huge need of the gospel in Europe and whether we can try and do this thing together because we can't do it alone. How many of you would agree with me? It's a big, big thing. But it's not bigger than God. That is what we pulsate with here. Ken and I, we were praying before the service. I said, Ken, we must keep our eyes on the gospel going out in Europe. There's many things happening. But our prime responsibility as a church is for the gospel to go out. All of its shapes are formed, but the gospel must be preached. Amen? So Paul, when he speaks and he says, I can do all things. I can do all things, that all things 
are areas that's just way too big for us. That all things, so you need to put something in. You know, uh, for some of us, that all things is um, to endure through the circumstance. Uh, I can do all things through him who gives me I can endure through him who gives me strength. How many of you need to endure through a certain situation? Well, come on, I definitely need to. It requires endurance. You see, this is the type of thing. It's, it's, it's not just the big thing of the gospel. It's, it's I've got to endure through certain things. We spoke about hope last week. Hope is that time period in between when the promise is given until when the promise is fulfilled. And I said we live in that in-between time. And that's the hardest time to be in, isn't it? But that in-between time can be so big within our lives. It's going to be big for Bobby and Paul. It's going to be big for Kira. But I said, I will come and get her to come to church on Sundays if she doesn't go. She's staying behind. <laughs> it's a big thing, but it's not bigger than God. Amen? endurance part, my friends. And so, so Paul says, when you look at it contextually here in the book of Philippians, you know, the big thing is the gospel. The big thing is when he speaks in chapter 1 verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, that's a big thing within our lives. What's happening in your life today? He says, whatever happens, that big thing, it's not bigger than God. My friend Abram sits there and it's a big thing that's happening. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. I mean, this man, he's, this family's going through such a tough time. They are, uh, you know, morally struggling, obviously. And I was about to fly back from Portugal on Saturday morning. And who do I get a message from? No one else from Abram. And he just says, have a great journey. His wife is really, really sick in the hospital. And this man sends me a message to say, have a good journey. My friends, that is conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Big. But Celia's family, our God is bigger. And it's not just a hype. Paul says it to be true. He says, I can do all things <laughs> through this incredible God who strengthens me. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, he says. Then chapter two, he speaks about, you know, let this mindset be in yours, which was also in Christ Jesus, who in the very form of God, and you know, he says, we've got to have the attitude and the mindset of Christ. My friends, that's a big thing for me because within myself, I'm a little bit arrogant and there's pride within my heart. And he says, Piet, you've got to be humble. You've got to live your life like Jesus. My friends, how many? Four? Huh? You know, that is big. That's massive. That's a massive thing for us to overcome is our own dependence, our interdependence. I can do it by myself. Huh. This man says, you can overcome this arrogance, this pride, this, this independence within you. Why? Yes, it's a big thing. But God is even bigger. God is even bigger. You know, he goes on and he says, my friends, you know, let's not have any confidence in the flesh. No confidence. 
He says, but whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What more, I consider everything a loss because of the passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, the most important thing within his life is to gain Jesus. He says, you can gain the whole world. Wasn't that what Jesus said that? You can gain the whole world. You can have everything. But he says, you will lose your soul. He says, Paul says, I've considered everything but rubbish to gain Christ. Is that a big thing within your life? My friend, it is not bigger than God. Paul is testimony to that. At the age of something like 72, 73, he got saved and married and baptized a few years ago. He thought he was on his way out. He's 89, he's still with us. That was a big thing, but not bigger than God. Paul says it's a big thing, but it's not bigger than God. I would love this little phrase to ring within our hearts over the next six months when we look at circumstances that we are facing. The war in Europe is a big thing, amen? But it's not bigger than God. It's not bigger than God. And so those things that's happening within your life, it's big, but it's not bigger than God because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As Lucy taught us so well about rejoicing in the Lord, having that type of a lifestyle, being anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let us bring our request to God. My friends, when we're anxious, when there is a panic attack upon us, which people are experiencing more and more now, there's panic attacks that people just, just restrict them. My friends, you know, it's a big thing, but it's not bigger than God. Godly living, it's a big thing, but it's not bigger than God. We can do it. And so I want you to know that Paul is talking about all of these things when he mentions the statement, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. Mom, all for you, for all who strengtheneth me. I can't even say it. The King James sentence, strengtheneth me, all for you, mom. My friends, how did Paul get to that place? You'd say, well, Paul was the super apostle. Very interesting when you read Romans chapter seven and the context of this passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is in the context of finance. That's the context. So the form of the church at Philippi sending a gift to Paul and it was such a large gift that it would take care of his rent, it would take care of his food and it would also take care of his future needs. It was a massive gift. And so Paul is at this place because he doesn't quite know how to respond. And when you receive, it is oftentimes you oh, how do I say thank you? Paul doesn't quite know how to say thank you. He's in that very, very difficult place. And so his heart comes through and he says, I know what it has been for me to be in need, but I also know what it's meant 
to need nothing. As a matter of fact, he puts it the other way around. He says, I know what it means not to be in need, to have plenty. He says, now I know what it means to be in need. But now you've come and that you have supplied my needs more amply. You see, Paul was a tent maker, so he worked with his hands. He didn't want to burden the church, but there's a history behind it, which I never knew until I started reading up on it. And when you look at Romans chapter 7, you see that um, it says a little bit about Paul, speaks about Paul. You see, in this passage of scripture that we read a few weeks ago, Paul says that he was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he gives us this whole history of who he was. And he said, by the law, standard. My life was flawless. But that was the outer life. He didn't say that inside he was flawless. Those things that only God knows. Isn't that interesting? When I read that passage, I thought, wow. You know, he ticked all of the ticks of the law. But that was all outward manifestation. Inwardly, what was going on within your heart, Paul. And in Romans 7, it reveals that Paul actually struggled with covetousness. Because he grew up in a wealthy family. Because he had all that he wanted. Because he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He worked with finance. Pharisees were proud about their riches, and he was. So when Jesus lectured them on finance, they looked at Jesus and they said, who do you think you are? You don't have the money that we have. He offended them. How can you teach me on finance? Go and read Luke. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul reveals, he says, this inward thing within me that consumes me, when I have, I want more. And when I have more, I want even more. How many of you know that that desire can never be satisfied? It eventually consumes you. You want one car? No, I want two. You, want, you have two cars? You want four. You want one wife? You want two? No, 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 no. <laughs> Only one wife. That's more than enough. But you understand what I'm saying? Paul lived right there in Romans 7. He says, I know what I need to do, but I can't do it. I'm in betwixt. I don't know what is going on. And then suddenly, the revelation of Jesus came. And Paul realized that covetousness, wanting more, was an idol within his life. He bowed before the idol of more, of more, of more. The proverb righteous says, if you are in that place where you always want more, 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 you'll never be satisfied. And when we bow before the altar of being covetous, it eats us up from the inside out. And so Paul, when he writes within this passage, comes from that vantage point. And honestly, in studying the Bible for almost 40 years, I've never seen that in Romans 7. And I went to check it up when one of the commentators said that. I said, I've got to check that. That's not my Paul. He wasn't covetous. He is this amazing man. No, he struggles with the same things as you and I. 
because he's human, the only person who didn't was Jesus. Struggled with this thing. I want more money. I want more money. I want more promotion. I want more promotion. I want more things. I want more things. My friends, that's the altar that we worship at. The altar of things instead of at the altar of Jesus. That's why Paul says again, I can do all things through whom? We bow at the altar of Christ Jesus. When we worship at the altar of Christ Jesus, he comes and he deals with those sinful desires within us. And he works it out over time. And Paul says that when we look at three words. And I'm going to close with those three words just to show you what needs to happen within our own lives. Let me highlight these three phrases. Paul says in verse 11, have a look in your Bibles at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have done what? Can anybody mention that word for me? I have to be content whatever the circumstances, whether I have or whether I have not. He says, I've learned. Now, that's a very interesting word, this word, learned. Does it mean that he's learning? In the Greek, it is in the past tense. Aorist tense. It's in the past. I've learned. That means he's learned his lesson well. The thing that someone taught me when I was young, they always said to me, Piet, learn your lessons well. Otherwise, you would have to learn them again later on. There are some of us who are so arrogant that when we do something wrong, we say thank you and we move on. We don't stay at that place long enough to learn our lesson. Well, it's not enough just to say sorry. Arrogance says, yes, I'm wrong, but we never learn our lesson. Got to learn our lessons, my friends. This is what Paul is saying. The reason why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is because he has learned his lesson. It is possible to overcome those things that seek to destroy. My friend, sin destroys our life. Sin is not our friend. Where sin abounded, we need to let grace superabound, Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Superabound. Otherwise, that sin has the power to minimize us, to make us small, and for us to bow before the altar of that idol that dominates us. So Paul says, I've learned some things, and I kind of I, I love that word. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. My friends, take your Bible. Go before God in prayer, and that thing that is actually consuming you like a fire, it could be lust. My friends, lust will consume you like fire. The more porn you're involved in, the more the lust grows. Got to lay it down before Jesus. Take the Bible, go before him in prayer. Have a friend to stay. Remember, all of this was written in the context of Christian community. That's the big truth that we're talking about is Christian community. People at home, come here quickly. Christian community, flesh, touch one another. It's very, very important. Community is here. 
You get a message there, but this is community. Paul is saying in community, he says you can deal with your lust. When you get your Bible, you pray, and you get a friend or two who will stick with you, and Jesus will come, and he will free you from that flame that is burning, that's consuming you. So it's not just money. It's not just wealth. It's not just poverty, because poverty can consume you too. Oh, you know, false humility. Talking about both. It will consume us if we don't bow before Jesus and not before the other altars. That's why he could say, I can't. He says, I've learned my lesson. Church, let's learn our lessons well. It's a great relief. I know when I'm struggling with a certain sin within my own life, it could be covetousness, and that was Paul's covetousness. If I'm struggling with covetousness, it's amazing when I lay it before God, I come before his altar. It is amazing how you trust God in that area and it seems like you're never going to get over that sin. And then suddenly you look back and through the wonderful grace of Jesus, his grace is so wonderful, he just burns that sin up. And you look back and you say, where has it gone? It is gone. Amen? Yeah, I was in a Pentecostal church in America, and at this time, the preachers were said, come on, let's dance and let us shout. <laughs> he said, we're standing on shouting ground. <laughs> I'm not that, but I feel like doing that now, <laughs> because it's such a wonderful truth. It's not a legalistic thing that kills you. It is standing in front of Jesus, and his fire comes, and it consumes that sin, and you look back and you say, I'm no longer that. That's the grace of God. That's why it's not a do this, do that, do this, do that. My friends, if you're battling with alcohol, if alcohol is the idol that you bow before, and within our culture, it's an idol that people don't always recognize. It can be that. Good things become idols. Let Jesus help us with that. He says, I've learned something. Can I ask you, are you learning? Get to the place where you've learned that lesson. Put it in the past. Paul says, I can receive that gift from you now because I know what it means to have plenty. I know what it means to have little, but I've learned to be content. He's learned that lesson. And so God released finance to Paul at this time because he's learned his lesson. And then very quickly, not only has Paul learned his lesson, he says, I know now. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. It's good that we know ourselves. That's part of the victory, isn't it? I know myself in some areas. Getting to know myself in other areas still. But I know myself in certain areas. I know. And then lastly, the wonderful phrase in verse 13, he says, I can. It's like us to memorize these two words, little phrase, I can. We as a church can. We can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.